Well, markets have been slapped across the face twice in the last 24 hours. One, the feedback from some of those in the know that this new variant might require a booster to fight it, which is going to take time, of course. But the big hit came from Jerome Powell testifying to Congress and all of a sudden talking up the need to speed up tapering. This is a man much more worried about inflation for once. The worm has turned. It's Wednesday, the 1st of December, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, it was a torrid session on the markets, the share markets, basically wiping out any gains made on Monday. The Nasdaq, the S&P 500, the Dow, all down 1.7%. The Eurostox 50 down 1.1%. The FTSE is losing 0.7%. Travel stocks feeling the heat again. Norwegian Cruise Lines, for example, down 5.3%. American Airlines, 3.3% down. And the US dollar fell about 0.7% on the DXY. Uh, but that bounced back sharply. It's still down a little. It's now down 0.4% against the Japanese yen. The Aussie dollar is down more than 0.5%. It actually dipped below 71 cents, the lowest it's been in a year. Uh, And the pound is down 0.4%. The euro is holding its own. Actually, it's up a quarter percent in the last hour or so. And bond yields ever lower, down five basis points for 10-year treasuries, down to 1.45%. Not the lowest for November, but not far off it. Because, of course, they're still in November there, but only just clinging onto it. And oil, can you believe WTI is now down below $65 a barrel with a 7.4% fall? almost back to where it dipped to in August briefly and a 4% fall for Brent too it's still struggling to uh, struggling to stay above $70 so lots of volatility lots of price action here's David DeGarris from NAB in London so a lot of moves uh, I I guess Jerome Powell's got a bit to do with this hasn't he saying to the Senate a little bit (laughs) well it's a surprise (laughs) I mean he's he's it's almost like there's been a personality transformation it's almost like he's not worried about the virus and he actually wants to speed up the tapering it was a different Jay Powell, that's for sure, yeah. Phil. So uh, when I, you know, when I prepared my notes, and uh, you know, as I usually do, with my trusty exercise book and pen and all that sort of thing, I thought, I wonder what he'll say today. And I was expecting to hear, you know, or he would wheel out the T word again that we, we've discussed yeah. so often on the podcast. You know, you with, with not, all of he's us. He's actually said, actually said, he's not going to use that anymore. It's been I know. wiped from the central bank's lexicon. Yeah. It served its purpose, and you say, or it's you know, it's it's time is done. So, Just as Ray uh, Atrell came up with the phrase "long transitory," which I love. Oh, yesterday. Ray. <laughs> <laughs> but no, forget about it. So yeah, no, it's a very different direction now. No, very very different. So um, you know what he said, really, pretty much off the bat, Phil evinced a much more concerned central banker about inflation, the things that, you know, they've been trained to be worried about. So, you know, what do you say? The Fed's test for price stability has clearly been met. Risk of higher inflation has increased. As you said, time to retire the word transitory. It's meant to mean not leaving a permanent mark on prices. Uh, and, he, you know, I wrote down in my notes, definitely a lot less relaxed about inflation. And, you know, that that sort of sequence of comments just continued, you know, we'll use our tools to stop entrenched higher inflation. And then he started to talk about the taper fill and uh, the fact that they'll be discussing, you know, the upcoming Fed, you know, whether they should be in, uh, increasing the rate of taper. So, you know, so they could finish QE a few months earlier. So you can imagine maybe they'll double the rate of reduction each month or, or, yeah. or something of that ilk. So, so they'll um, be over by spring, basically, as well. Pretty much. I mean, yeah. it would be silly to be continuing to buy government bonds if you're anywhere near 
uh, thinking about increasing interest rates. Now, that, that, I know he, that's a different decision. And, he's and, he did, and he reiterated again, didn't he, that they, that is a different decision. I mean, but I guess, as we've said before, it gives them the flexibility. But is it also just this, is he trying to quell inflation by putting the threat on the table? So, you know, if, if you're out there and if you're going to demand yes. excessive pay increases, we're going to push interest rates up. So don't ask for a big pay increase. Well, in a delightful mix, Phil, of economics and football or English football, <laughs> it's uh, it's some people call it the invisible hand of God. So, uh, you know, that is getting the market to do some of the work for you. So yeah. we saw, you know, in, in reaction to those comments, I mean, this morning, you know, we had that, uh, you know, the Moderna CEO uh, talking about taking some time to get Stephane vaccines Banker. ready. And, yeah. you know, the US two-year was rallying. In other words, the yield was falling, you know, through our morning here this morning and got down to below uh, 0.45. And then once he started talking, it just took off and it just jagged high by about 10 basis points in a matter yeah. of minutes, right? And here it is, it's it's uh, it's up uh, a net, what, uh, seven or eight basis points from when he started talking and up four or five on the day. So we're comfortably above 0.5. So the market's pricing in higher rates sooner and, of course, that's seen that the back end of the curve flatten as well. So it's what, you, you know, that, that, that bear flattening. Um, so it's just what stocks and oil and, and the risk of risk assets weren't looking for today, but was served up in abundance. Well, what did he say? The guy, the chief at Moderna, basically said that uh, there's no way existing vaccines are going to be as effective against this mm. new this new variant. And then on top of that, we had Scott uh, God- Godleap, who's the director at ADA, oh, yes. Pfizer, basically saying three doses are going to give you fairly good protection. So, uh, so yeah. take three. But of course, you know, if we look at it, those booster jabs, it's only 2% of the population in Australia. It's only 12% in the US and Germany, 10% in France. So there's a whole lot of jabbing that's got to go on. Uh, and, you know, to, before we get everyone up to triple jab status, uh, you know, and even yes. if we find a new vaccine, which might take a few months, we've then got to roll it out, which means it's another three, mo- three months after that. Uh, and what does the what does the economy do in the meantime? Does it go mm. into standstill or, mm. or certainly slow down, won't it? Well, well, I think, you know, that's the unknown, isn't it? Does, does it mean that people go out and spend on stuff again and order stuff, huge amounts online like they did during, originally during the pandemic? Or do they become more cautious mm. on the back on the back of that this? It's hard to see them going out and spending in large order. And we know that, you know, the restrictions on people moving internationally now, you know, uh, more testing at borders, more restrictions at borders. Uh, and as you said there, you know, the cruise line industry, airline stocks, all of that, and the and the blowback on on from that onto oil prices as well, you know, jet fuel demand and so forth. So that's one sector of the economy is certainly going to be hit yeah. from uh, from from the new Delta strain until we get a lot more clarity and people are convinced and maybe even, you know, government restrictions need to be eased up, which will take some time. Yeah. So, um, you know, th- th- there we have it. Yeah, and, and also, you know, I mean, you need to factor this in. Economists need to start factoring this into their calculations. Uh, what's the lineup like over the, uh, the, the, the northern winter uh, on Netflix, you know? There's some good shows, you know. Everyone's going to stay in and just watch that instead. Uh, yeah, well, even and, Netflix half. stock was down today, down two percent. So there you okay. go. Maybe it's not such a good lineup. Uh, look, inflation, uh, of course, that's behind all of these concerns. And in Europe, it rose a little more than expected. The year-on-year figure for November 
is 4.9%. The call mm. is 2.6%. We saw that uh, massive headline rate of 6% for Germany yesterday. And yes, yes. Uh, the the opposite, again, of Jerome Powell, ECB is holding its nerve. They are still using Isn't the word transitory. Yeah. Uh, they and, it's all and, gonna, and indeed, it's peaking sort of, around now, and it's going to sub, sub, subside next year. Panic over. Indeed. indeed. And uh, indeed, and even Catherine Mann, who is probably a more dovish end of the policy spectrum on the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee, uh, you know, suggesting a similar sort of uh, thoughts that inflation is likely to moderate. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, the way the market's seen this, that it has been sceptical about Powell's view to now, and Powell's sort of coming around to market thinking, um, but it buys the ECB view that they won't do anything, and yet their inflation rate's 5%. The US inflation rate's, what, 6 or a bit over 6 Mm. Uh, the UK inflation rate's about the same level, so uh, and the market's not quite sure what what the what the Bank of England's going to do. Probably sit on its hand in in the near term, perhaps. So, yeah. But um, you know, beyond that, you know, they've, they've made it clear that they've laid the groundwork for for rate rises uh, when they when they need to. But we've also seen GDP, you know, rising a great deal, which you know sounds like great news because you you think of a recovery. So we take Canada for example, there. Annualized GDP we learned yesterday was for Q3 was 5.4%, which was sort of like getting on towards twice what the forecast was. The forecast, I think, it was 3%. Uh, yes. You know, this must be very hard for economists at times like this when they, you know, they normally want to be 0.1 or 0.2 out at the most. So we used to plus or, plus or minus a quarter or a half, something of that ill. But so, um, none, none of us has lived, even I am not old enough to remember the Spanish flu epidemic. Phil. Yeah. But, so um, these are unusual times. But my point was going to be, if, if, if we're getting very high GDP, it sort of goes that, you know, if, if consumption is going and we've got the supply chain problems, then obviously we are going to have yes. inflation concerns. But if GDP starts to come down because of all the concerns about spending, then maybe inflation will ease. Well, it might ease some of those pressures. But mm. when is the, the sort of uh, the inbuilt supply chain bottlenecks? When are they going to ease? I, I think there's some early signs. And one sign we did see... Uh, you were discussing with Ray, weren't you? The you know the upcoming Chinese PMIs, and we saw yeah. quite big falls in the the prices paid and the um, uh, the prices charged, the output prices for Chinese mm. manufacturers. I think ten or twenty points, really big, really big falls. Now that might be just a one-off factor, but they've faced a lot of the the energy uh, material cost issues that the rest of the world has, arguably more, and yet. Um, those came back quite a lot, so maybe we can take a little bit of encouragement from that. But and the um, manufacturing PMI over fifty as well. So theoretically, indeed, I mean, only indeed. just, but it's expanding again. So that's uh, we can take some solace from that as well. But why this big difference then between the US and Europe? Why is Powell worried? The ECB not so. I mean, I, mean, I know Powell points to uh, the tight labour market supposedly, but I mean, I mean, there's still a lot less employed now than before the pandemic. So it's not that tight, is it? Well, I think if you uh, in uh, uh, the sort of labour uh, excess labour demand issues seem to be a global phenomenon, don't they? They've been mm. been, the, been that way in Australia, New Zealand, Canada, United States, UK, uh, and arguably in Europe too. So you even had um, Herr Schultz from Germany saying that um, we shouldn't aim for to have inflation as high as we have it now, and um, you know, it's tied to COVID and energy price spikes. And if, if it doesn't ease, action must be taken. Now, maybe he sent that, you know, he said that today for um, 
central bank is, but it's not a universe, universal view in, in Europe that inflation isn't an issue or that deflation isn't the issue. And I think you could probably say they've moved on to worry less about deflation and now talking about <laughs> moderate rates of inflation. But, you know, their figures, maybe they're not quite as alarming in the U- as the US, but they're nowhere near deflation, are they? I mean, mm. their core rate's, what, 2.6. So that's... That's above, strict clinically, that's above their target right now. That is the reminder, isn't it? Two years ago, we were worried about deflation before all this came along. That was the the bigger thing. Well, it's going to be interesting in a year's time if these goods prices completely reverse. Yeah, and we're going to go back to how we were, absolutely. (laughs) look back. Yeah, yeah, and then the interest rates start going down. Well, I don't know what central banks do then. It's a a, a complicated map that they... Well, I think think the increases we see will be pretty moderate to start off with. Um, you know, they're going to trade carefully. So the Conference Board uh, Consumer Confidence Index, that showed a fall as well in those expected business conditions. The number of people who are expecting them to improve, that fell. There's a fall in those expecting <laughs> more jobs to be available, a fall in those expecting incomes to increase. And all of this before November the 19th, so well before the Omicron news. So confidence is falling yes. a little bit, isn't it, in the United States? A little bit, but not, not as bad as the... Um University of Michigan, and then, of course, when you actually look at the consumer spending numbers, at least until Omicron, mm. uh, growing at gangbuster rates, as best we know from retail sales and the like. So, um, you know, what can we take from the consumer sentiment numbers? I took out of today's that um, the net jobs plentiful index, you know, job, you know, this is the view from the street, as it were, of the labour market, was at a record high, the highest since this survey began, what, back in the 1970s. So yeah. it's telling me that... Um, there's oodles of jobs out there. It's not suggesting that the participation rate is going up or has gone up. Yeah. So, so it'll be interesting to see what, how, how that is or isn't reflected in on Friday's non-farms. Yeah, and that's not good for inflation, of course, if everyone feels like they can no. negotiate a better rate uh, if they get a job. Uh, more, so, wa- more wages. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Australia's GDP number today, I mean, that's possibly just academic interest. I mean, we did talk about it earlier. On I week, think but, so. I mean, I it was so. before shutdowns. The world is in a different place now. No one really cares, do they, what the number is? As you said, fills in the economic history, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, look, we get to, and jobs are important. As you say, non-farm payrolls on Friday, uh, we get the ADP numbers uh, as well uh, ahead of that. Uh, this These might support Jerome Powell's more aggressive stance all of a sudden. We'll see, won't we? But uh, what a surprise today yeah. was. Getting lots of surprises lately. Good to talk. Catch you soon. Good on you, Phil. Cheers. Never a dull moment, is there? Uh, that's it for today. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again with another one tomorrow morning. See you then.